even if people's perception of you is off in this world, like, like check this out. This is how beautiful the gospel is. Even if the world views you as an enemy, guess what? If you're in Christ, then you're viewed as his friend. And if I die as an enemy in this world, then I'll be with the Lord, the one who loves me. That's the hope. If this world hates me, let it be that this world hates me because of Christ's sake. Prescribed truth, we're giving you what the doctor ordered. Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord's servant. We undeserve it, but Christ changed our mind frame. In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. Welcome back, everybody, to Prescribing Truth. I'm your host, Jamal Bandy, where I seek to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. Uh, one, I would like to thank everybody who checked out the Woke Brother series. It's, it's on a two-part series right now, and I am so grateful for everybody who, who watched it, who saw the humor in it. Um, I was surprised to know that there are some people who thought I was being serious. So um, that goes to some of my acting skills. <laughs> <laughs> but um yes it's a parody a parody but the interesting thing about the last episode was that um edwin from the proverbial life sent me some articles um that were real articles now granted these articles are kind of old um they were from about a few years ago but um i i've heard people mention these things before you know how racism causes problems in black americans and so i wanted to do a parody um, of that and that's what i did and i was really thankful to see how well it went over um i did get some negative feedback and that's expected and so that's okay i think somebody said that uh how would i feel if they did a parody of reformers who who um who think it's okay to be anti-semitic and so on and so forth and my response is go ahead the thing is, everything that um, that I was making a parody of is things that have been said from people, proponents of the woke community, the woke Christian community at that, and are continually being said, continually being pushed by others. Um, no one is being refuted. No one is saying, hey, I'm a woke Christian and I disagree and reject what Ikimene Yuan said about her being afraid of for her life at the Sparrow Conference, thinking that people, that she went into this racist space, thinking that she was going to lose her life, um, and that there were pregnant women in attendance and that they were in danger of losing their babies because of the racism in the place. So you can say what you want. And you do what you want, <laughs> but it's not going to remove the reality that people are painting with a broad brush and it is perfectly fine. And no one is holding anybody accountable on the woke side. And from that's what I see. Now, I could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong with that. I hope I am wrong, but that's not what I'm seeing. And so that's that. So now what I want to address um, beginning in this whole podcast is dealing with some excerpts from Eric Mason's book, The Woke Church. Now, I know I said that was going to be the last time that I do anything concerning this book a long time ago, but because of the recent conversation I had, I feel it's need be that I bring up some points again. And I'm just going to read a little bit from his book and, um, and let you guys connect the dots. Um, the question is, or the accusation that I had, is that what's in this book is theologically unsound unsound and therefore 
I want to be able to show how it's theologically unsound. And I'm going to demonstrate it from reading some of the book. Now, those of you who may watch this podcast on YouTube or listen to it on your iTunes or um, our, uh, Android apps, please, you know, if you know the scriptures, just judge by the scriptures what is biblically accurate and what isn't. So now, Eric Mason, on a concept of what is woke or what is being woke, he says he borrowed the term. So he makes it known that this is a cultural, a culturally used term and he borrows it. He borrows it and he redeems it. That's, that's his words. We have borrowed the term and redeemed it to be used in the context of being awakened from deadened sinful thinking. Now this is on page 25 of his book. Now I asked the question to anyone who's listening, who's a Christian, who awakens us from dead and sinful thinking. And if we think about sinful thinking, dead and sinful thinking, what does the Bible says about all of us that we're dead in sin, so on and so forth, right? So we're all dead and need to be awakened from dead and sinful thinking. That's all of us, all of mankind, right? Not just white people, not just blacks who aren't woke, is everybody. And so when we say that we've borrowed this term and this is what we're meaning it to be, Okay, fine. We can have that. So you, you're meaning it to be awakened from deadened sinful thinking. Now, my understanding as a Christian is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, does this work in the heart of a believer. He continually, throughout our lives, awaken us from deadened sinful thinking. This isn't being woke. The Bible calls this being made alive. That's what the Bible calls it, being made alive. So... If you want to take woke and bring it in to bridge it to being made alive, that's fine. But now, what do you say being woke contains or consists of? Now, like I said, I just connect the dots. And this is what I was telling the brother earlier. I just connect the dots of what somebody's saying. And so this is what he says on page 25 as far as what being woke would mean. Then he says, in fact... Every believer has been awakened from sin's effects and Satan's deception. Thus, the believer is able to be aware of sin and challenge it wherever it is. That's the role of a believer. We can do that, right? Then he goes on on the same page towards the end. He says, being woke has to do with seeing all of the issues and being able to connect cultural, socioeconomic, philosophical, historical, and ethical dots. A similar term is conscious. So now I take this to be, if you, if you are a Christian, truly a Christian, you see everything from a Christian worldview. That means you see the culture from a Christian worldview, social economics from a Christian worldview, philosophy, Christian worldview, histor historical, Christian worldview, everything ethical, you know, what's ethical and what's not Christian worldview. This has little to do with anything with just being woke. This is being a Christian, being born again. So I'm, I'm, I'm sticking here because that's being consistent. What is being a Christian? Now, does that mean that every Christian has all the blind spots removed and everything? No, that's where sanctification comes in play, right? Not just being woke, being sanctified. But here, if we're going to take it as saying this is what woke is, being awakened from dead and sinful thinking, well, then this has to do with being having a Christian worldview. All right. On the next page, verse, page 20, I'm about to say verse, <laughs> page 26. Now he says, 
both conscious and woke find their beginnings in the writings of William Edward Burgard, W.E.B. Du Bois, the great 20th, 20th century father of sociology. He spoke of double consciousness. Du Bois speaks of being woke in terms of the double consciousness of black people in his landmark work, The Souls of Black Folk. Now, this is important. This is important, y'all. We will talk about double consciousness of black folk. This ain't double consciousness of white people. This ain't double consciousness of Mexican or Hispanic or Puerto Rican or any of that or Asian. This is double consciousness of black people. I want you to keep that in mind when we're talking about these consciousness and being in the term, in the sense of being woke, double consciousness of black folk. And it has its beginnings with W.E.B. Du Bois. Now, I brought this up to a brother and he says to me that, you know, just, you know, you, if you, if you say this is an issue, then, hey, you got to take Christmas and Halloween and all these other things that Christians think deem to be Christian and say they're wrong too. But the difference between all of that is that the holidays started with a Christian perspective. They were just perverted. I mean, that's a different story. Here you have a foundation that's perverted, and then you're trying to put Christian Christian ideals onto it. A difference. And I'm not going to try and get into a tangent with all that. And if somebody wants to discuss that with me, you're welcome to. Oh, yeah. By the way, the email is prescribed.truth at gmail.com, and you can call me at 801-980-6333 if you'd like to contact me or leave a message or text me. All right. So... Now, this is what he says. This is W.E.B. Du Bois. Um, this is his uh, paragraph from his uh, work and from the souls of black folk. The Negro is a sort of seventh son born with a veil and gifted with second sight in, in this American world, a world which yields him no true self-consciousness, but only lets him see himself through the revelation of the other world. It is a peculiar sensation, this double consciousness, this sense of always looking at oneself through the eyes of others, of measuring one's soul by the tape of a world that looks on in amused contempt and pity. One ever feels his two-ness, an American, a Negro, two souls, two thoughts, two unreconciled strivings, two warring ideals, and one dark body, whose dog strength alone keeps it from being torn asunder. The history of the American Negro is the history of this strife, this longing to attain self-conscious manhood, to merge his double self into a better and truer self. And I ask the question, what is that? What is that? What is the better and truer self that W.E.B. is giving us? He's giving us. Now, I'm bringing this up now. If, if this was a case that Eric Mason was just saying, was just saying that this is what W.E.B. said concerning it, but I'm saying this, then there would be no issue here. But that's not how Eric Mason approaches this. He takes this whole concept that W.E.B. brings out and he holds on to it. He keeps it, embraces it. He does. Not one time in this whole section does he say, I reject that. He says, no, that's actually good. That's actually good. We're going to hold on to that double consciousness. All right. Now, I got a question here. If the thing is that a black person, notice this is only for black people. So I'm sorry, Hispanics. I'm sorry, Asians. I'm sorry, everybody else. You don't have this. This right here is not for you. There's a double consciousness of black folk. We're the only ones who deal with this. All right. One, how to be American and a Negro this is what we're talking about. Now, if you want to say that. Asians have a double consciousness of how to be an American and an Asian and Hispanics and so on and so forth. Okay. 
Let's 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 deal with that too, because I'm looking at what are what are the ideals of a Negro, outside of that. What what were the ideals? What were the beliefs? What were the things that were that that was supposed to be held on to and kept and embraced? That was that was more important than anything else. What are the ideals of being an American that are so good that just has to be embraced and you know and has to be kept? You know, what are they? Are they based in biblical principle or no? I mean, like I said, either way, both sides have an issue because both sides have problems. Both sides have problems. I mean, the Negroes, where they come from, don't, they weren't perfect before they came to America. They were no wise innocent. The Americans weren't innocent. You know, they had issues, have issues. What, what, is the, what are the ideals that should be the, the, the struggle for the black man? That's why I don't, I don't see that. I see that, you know, he doesn't get to this point yet, but I see that, man, it, I look at this individual, this Negro who's battling with himself, who's battling between being a Negro and an American, that, hey, man, guess what? There's a, there is a better and truer self, but it's not going to be in anything redeemed from your being a Negro or anything from you being redeemed as American. What you need is Christ. Our identity is in Christ. Now, that's biblical. That's biblical. That doesn't take away the fact that I'm black. It doesn't take away the fact that I have my own personality. But my personality isn't because I'm black. My personality is because I am Jamal Bandy. How I talk, how I move, what I like, what I don't like, all those things is me. What is me? But when it comes to my truer self, my true identity is only found in Christ. My true purpose is only found in Christ, not trying to merge being an American and a Negro. I just live. And see, and I had this, and this is a funny thing, because I always say this, I, I say this when it comes to things with, dealing with truth, period. What's true for one is true for all. And what's not true for one is, is not true for all. Before coming into Christ, before learning anything about Reformed theology and anything else, I did not have this battle. Now, if you say, well, that's just you. Well, I'm a Negro, right? I'm a Negro in America, right? This should be a struggle for me. This should be a struggle. I should be, I should have struggled prior to coming to Christ that man, I'm a black man and I'm an American. I, and I have, I'm having trouble reconciling the two. No, I remember prior to coming to Christ that my biggest concern was the fact that I wanted to start a record label. I wanted to get in women's draws and this and that and third. I'm sorry if it was a little, that was a little off for you guys. I'm sorry, but that's, that's what I was thinking about. My sinfulness, how sinful I was. You know, and I didn't even call it sin then. I call it fun. I'm thinking about having fun, going, you know, doing music, doing things I enjoy and all those things. Not one time in my life was I ever concerned with the fact that I'm black and I'm an American. Now, my parents tried to sow that into me. That was true. My parents tried to give that to me. Hey, well, you better watch yourself. You are a black man. You got to keep in mind you're a black man. But every encounter that I had with a white person, even police officers, wasn't hostile. I mean, I've had one situation with a police officer that was like, dude, we got smart with me, but that was it. I don't know if he had, a, but I don't know if he had a bad day. Maybe I just, a, maybe I was just the one that just got on his nerves. I don't know, but that was the only instance I ever had. Other than that, I mean, in school with teachers, with classmates and everything else, never an issue. Even growing up, I mean, being in my, being in my late teens and early twenties, not an issue. So I didn't have that struggle. I wasn't sitting here struggling. So now, you, like I said, you can't say, well, Jamal, that's just you. I know I ain't the only one. <laughs> this thing, I know I'm not the only Negro. 
only the only African American who's experienced that as well. What's true for one is true for all. And WEB says this is the struggle for African Americans. This is our struggle. Eric Mason goes on to say the double this double consciousness that Du Bois identifies is the struggle of blacks in America. This is the struggle. Not was, is. Is the struggle. It's continual. He said, it is a struggle to emerge with a strong sense of self and dignity while being fully aware of the perception of our people in the eyes of white America. What is the perception of our people in the eyes of white America? That we're no good, that we're, that we're, that we're, that we're ruthless, that we're worthless. I mean, is that really the perception? Is that really what's been going on all the time? I mean, yes, are people racist? Of course. And guess what, though? It ain't just white folks who can be racist. I know black people who are racist, too. And I know some of y'all going to say, well, blacks can't be racist because they didn't have the power. No, racism is racism. The Bible calls it showing partiality. Partiality, the sin of partiality. So, yes, we all can experience this, the perception of our people. White people can say that too. This is a struggle that they have. Keep in mind, what if we put this on the other foot? Let's put it on the other foot for a moment. It is a struggle to emerge with a strong self, strong sense of self and dignity. It's a white person from the eyes of a white person. Emerge with a strong sense of self and dignity while being fully aware of the perception of our people in the eyes of black America. Because what is the, what is the perception of white people in the eyes of black America today? Could, we, could the roles be reversed? And if it can be reversed, then what's the issue here? Sin. If someone treats you wrong, it's sin. If somebody hates you, it's sin. But this is a struggle for only blacks. The struggle for blacks in America. Then he says, most African-Americans, and I, and I like the fact that he said most. I feel like he's covering his bases here because he doesn't want to say all. Most African-Americans have had at least two life-altering experiences that are burned into their memory. The moment they realized they were black and the moment they realized that was a problem. Now, so what is, now what is it to say about the, the others, the ones who didn't have this issue? Are they naive? Are they naive? Should they? Should they have that burn in their memory? Should they? Come to a realization that, hey, I'm black. And then come to a realization that it's a problem. And if I don't come to a realization, then I'm naive. Is that really the case? Then he goes on and he says, double consciousness. So I'm, I'm just reading this to show you that Eric Mason is not rejecting this idea. He embraces it. Double consciousness is a reality for minorities in this country. But I would like to add a third consciousness to this conversation. This third consciousness is what being truly woke is rooted in. Being truly woke is rooted in Christ consciousness. This is the anchor. This is the common ground. At our core, without being conscious in Christ, our souls are still in bondage and can only see things from the natural fleshly appearance. Our Christ consciousness gives the double consciousness depth and character. Our Christ consciousness elevates our awareness to our responsibility to care for and love our brothers, even those who don't look like us. My thing is this. Could that be without, without the double consciousness being made alive in Christ? 
teaches us, shows us how to love our neighbors as ourselves, recognizing our need of forgiveness and compassion from a holy and righteous God. That alone is not enough to show us how we shouldn't hate people who don't look like us, but we should love people who don't look like us. Matter of fact, Jesus went further and said, hey, you should love your enemies. Because what profit is it for you if you love those who love you? I think the woke community need to pay attention to that scripture again. What profit is it for you to love those who love you, but love your enemies? It seems to me that even if you would consider white Christians or white America to be an enemy, you're still called to love them. <sighs> okay. But anyway, I went, off, I went off on a tangent. Christ is the third that he likes to add to this conversation, but why not Christ be the foundation? And if Christ is the foundation, there's no need for the double consciousness because we know that our hope is not in the earth. Our hope is in what's to come. And I know the argument then is, well, you still live in the earth, right? Well, then what does Christ say for the Christian who lives yet in the earth to be a light into the world? And what does he call for Christians to do? Go therefore and make disciples. So go share your life with people, share the gospel with people. Bring people to the knowledge of Christ, because guess what? Apart from the knowledge of Christ, it don't matter how much you, sh you say to them that they're being hateful. They're not going to care. Because the only one who can change our hearts from being hateful into loving is Christ. It's Christ. That's biblical. And so I, I, don't I don't understand why this is so hard for Christians to grasp where this is theologically unsound. Christ isn't the third thing. He's not the anchor. He's a foundation. So you think about it, something. Without the anchor, the boat can still go. The boat can still drive. It can still get to where it needs to go. The, the boat, the anchor just holds it in place. It keeps it from going away. But it, it's not the foundation. It's not what holds it together. But the scripture tells me that Christ, he's what holds us, holds all things together. Everything. He's all in all, not not just the anchor, not what gives us depth and character as far as our thinking. He's, our thinking should change completely because of Christ. Our character should change completely because of Christ. And if we're not changed totally, guess what? The Bible says that we are being sanctified, made into the image of Christ. Our hope is in him. Keep in mind what I said concerning double consciousness, double consciousness of black folks. This double conscious, what it is, what it means to be double conscious. Then this third consciousness that he adds. And he says, however, if one is regenerated by the gospel, so you're regenerated, you're filled with the spirit, yet unaware of the double consciousness of African-Americans and other ethnic minorities in America. That means that we're supposed to, that means you're, you're working to the gospel. But you, you, know, there's, you don't see where people are trying to struggle to be an American and an ethnicity. And they're trying to merge and become a truer self. That's an issue. You don't, you don't see that. You don't acknowledge that. You're unaware of that. One's clarity on justice and race issues will be clouded and even absent. Therefore, to be fully woke, one needs to have all three aspects of consciousness to be fully woke. Now remember what we remember what he redeemed woke to mean. And this is where I draw the dots. 
Where does it, what does he say woke means? To be awakened from deadened, sinful thinking. So you telling me that apart from me, deadened, sinful thinking, apart from being aware of the double consciousness, which this comes from beginnings of W.E.D. Du Bois, and yes, he was an atheist. He's not a Christian. It's not, it's not something that was centered in Christ. And, you know, so be that as it may, because people are unaware of the double consciousness of African-Americans and other minorities, they're not fully woke. So they're not fully awakened from dead and sinful thinking. That begs me to question, then how then are they even Christian? Y'all can say I'm grasping at straws. I'm just taking what he's saying in these pages. And I'm lining them up and lining them up. I'm not taking, I'm not divorcing page 25 from 26 or 27. I'm taking them all as a whole. And what I see is that, man, this is not, this is not biblical. Not. He says, however, now I'm going to go on and continue reading. Being woke isn't limited to color or ethnicity or culture. It is possible for anyone to be woke. Remember what being woke is now? Awaken from dead and sinful thinking. So it is possible, right? I mean, I mean, we're not talking about being born again. We're just, you know, just, hey, just be woke. If you have a level of understanding of the double consciousness of blacks and are regenerate, you are woke. Awaken from dead and sinful thinking. That's what he redeemed woke to me. However, our dilemma is this. Sin and strongholds in our thinking can impair the depths of our wokeness. Sin and strongholds in our thinking can impair the depths of our wokeness. So keep in mind, if I do not agree, if I do not agree that African-Americans really honestly have to struggle with a sense of self-dignity, self, uh, no, I'm sorry, self and dignity while being fully aware of the perception of them in the eyes of white America. Because I mean, if, I, if I don't agree with that, because me being also a black man, if I say, if I, if I believe that, you know what, there may be, there are white people who may are racist, but I don't take it as a whole. So I don't see white America as looking at me as just some rubbish. I do see that there are some people who may look at me that way. But I don't see it that way as me being a black man. Why? Because there are black people who are successful, black people who own offices, black people who are in the top 1%. They exist. They're there. You know, all because I guess because it's a minority versus a majority, that's the issue, I guess. But because I don't agree with that, then I'm not, I'm not truly woke. I don't, I'm not really deep in my wokeness. Being a born again Christian is not enough for me to be aware of what it really means to execute and establish justice and to understand where there are actually wrongs done to people and they need to be re you know, repented of. I mean, you don't get that from the gospel. I mean, you, you have to only get that from being aware of people's double consciousness. I'm sorry. I don't get that. I don't get it. And I, uh, you know, and I'm sorry, maybe I'm just going to be blind. Maybe I'm just going to be naive, or maybe I'm just uncle Tom and whatever you want to say, but I don't get that. One more thing, one more thing. And I'm going to take a break. He says, it is critical. It is, it's of critical importance for the broader community to understand the triple consciousness of their black siblings, triple consciousness of black siblings. 
My goal, and he says later on in, in this page 28, by the way, my goal is to help the broader community understand the triple consciousness of black Christians. So remember, double consciousness, adding on top of that Christ consciousness. This this ain't <laughs> this ain't him taking Christ and making him a foundation. This is taking Christ and sprinkling them on top. Now, people get offended at that, but that's that's what it is. Exactly what it is. Because my thing is, if you're a Christian, then I hold you accountable to being a Christian. So guess what? If you're a Christian and you're showing partiality to people, or you're being lack, you're not, you're lacking compassion towards people where it's due, and so on and so forth. Then, as a Christian, I address that. But the foundation is Christ. The foundation is the Word of God. And guess what? And even if people's perception of you is off in this world, like check this out. This is how beautiful the gospel is. Even if the world views you as an enemy. Guess what? If you're in Christ, then you're viewed as his friend. And if I die as an enemy in his world, then I'll be with the Lord, with him, the one who loves me. That's the hope. If this world hates me, let it be that this world hates me because of Christ's sake. So let me take a quick break real quick. Yo, I guys, I want to share with you guys. If you want to support this ministry, um, I really greatly appreciate it. you can do so by partnering with me on Patreon. Join me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash prescribe truth. Um, just for just only a dollar will really help out a long way, a dollar a month, or you can just donate one time. It's up to you. I really greatly appreciate it. Um, I'm planning on um, moving into an um, area I'm trying to build into making the studio. And so I need funds for that. Um, I really appreciate it right now. I mean, I'm a dining room table. And so, um, and it's really helped me out. I just moved this day to Sunday so I can uh, remove the podcast to Sunday so I can record an earlier time and uh, try to get things out to you guys sooner on the podcast. So I greatly appreciate you, um, you helping that way if you'd like to. If not, I appreciate your prayers. Um, if you haven't, The Proverbial Life is on here right now. If you haven't heard his song, he wrote a song called Epidemic, and it's dealing with this whole issue with this woke community and everything. It is fire. Dude goes in. Um, Edwin actually did the intro to my um podcast. And so, like, like, dude is fire. Please check it out. Um, but yeah, I, I greatly appreciate it from you guys. All right. So now what I wanted to do, I wanted to to go in and read scripture. And I'm not, I'm not gonna read a lot, just want to read this this text of scripture to you guys. And I want to encourage you. I want to give encouragement and hopefully bring conviction from those who are still feeling like they want to be divided um, in the midst of all this turmoil, you know, and I'm hoping that we can all at least uh, uh, come to the agreement of what this text says and what the implications are. And so I'm just going to read it to you guys. If you have your Bibles, you can um, look on with me. But I'm reading from Ephesians 2, and I want to start at um, verse 11, just give us some context. and. Um, but this is in the context of us being made alive in Christ, us having fellowship in Christ, being saved by grace. We are one in Christ. Um, you know, so this is coming from that context. And Ephesians 2.11, Paul says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise 
having no hope and without God in the world. Uh, real quick, I want to think. I want you to think about real quick because we, we, I've know I've heard people say, well, you can't use this text to talk about this issue between whites and blacks because this issue is dealing with you know Israel being you know the true nation under God and the Gentiles being pagans. But we got to understand something too. What was going on? Romans were in control and subjugating and oppressing Jews. They were. They did. Matter of fact, at the time of this letter being written, there is persecution of Christians by Romans. And there are Romans who are being saved. They're being Christians. I wonder, I wonder if ever at any time in the early church that the Romans, that those who were of Roman heritage, did they have to give reparations and repent of what the Caesars did and what those in, in power did to them, to their people? You know, I wonder, I mean, I mean, I don't see it in scripture, but that was something that was required of Gentiles, of Roman Gentiles, even the book of Romans. That was, you know, I don't see that as anything being required of them, but, you know, these are Gentiles and we're talking about the Commonwealth of Israel, just something to throw out there. Then he says, but now, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Is there hostility between you and other people? Especially if they're Christians? And Christ should be our peace. Now, me reading the scripture is a plea to those who are called, who are called by the name of Christ to check out the scripture. Because what we're seeing is there are Christians, woke Christians, who want to go against other Christians who don't agree with them. You know, and, and, and from our side of the spectrum, I haven't seen anyone who stands opposite of the social justice side who say, I want to be distant from those who are woke. I want to fellowship in different churches from you. I don't want to be around you. No, we want you to be near. We want you to be near as possible so we can love on you in the midst of this hatred that you're saying is out there. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit, by the spirit. Y'all, everything we need pertaining to life and godliness is within the scriptures within the scriptures. We don't need anything else. We don't need to call anybody to be woke. Be made alive. I have a shirt that I made and it says that I'm unwoke 
to your temporal agenda because all of it is temporal. It ain't going to last. It's temporal. But I'm made alive to an eternal hope. And my hope for those who may not like the color of my skin, who may hate me because I'm black, my hope is that they will know Christ because it's in Christ that they will learn to love me as a fellow image bearer of God. And there are those who show partiality because of the color of our skin. My hope is that they know Christ, not that they be woke, not that they come to acknowledge the double consciousness of African-Americans, but they come to know Christ because it's in Christ that their hearts are changed. My hope is for those who are on the woke side, who have found themselves being bitter towards whites and blacks who disagree with them, that they would grow in Christ to recognize that he is our peace, to be reminded of the truth of the gospel, that reconciliation is already accomplished on the cross. And if we, are, and if we have been reconciled to God by the blood of Christ, then why can't we be reconciled to our neighbor, to our brothers and sisters in Christ by the cross? Or are we saying that we're more righteous than God? That in order for us to be reconciled to somebody else, then we need more than the blood of Christ. Well, obviously it was enough for God. Why can't it be enough for you? That is an issue. So I'm hoping that some will listen to this and hear what I'm actually trying to say. Not giving anybody a pass who, who are guilty of sin because where there is sin, there needs to be repentance. There needs to be an acknowledgement of the sin and accountability towards the sin and being brought before the feet of the Lord. It needs to be where there is sin present. But where there is no sin, why are we forcing it on people where it doesn't exist? Somebody watched my video, Woke Brother, and asked, Who is speaking like this? I wonder if they are have their head buried in the sand because I heard people say that they go into racist spaces. This already is a broad brush that says that everybody in that space is racist or most are racist. This is an assumption of people's hearts and nobody's being challenged. Not one person is saying, how do you know that everybody is being racist towards you? Cause they don't agree. No one is saying that. It's an assumption made on people's hearts and therefore they are drawing conclusions from false premises. And I hope to prescribe truth to that diagnosed error. That's the hope. That's the hope. So anyway, that's all that I have on this episode of prescribing truth. I thank you for joining me on this episode. Um, this, I hope this wasn't too long. Please join me next Sunday at 6 p.m., Lord willing, for, uh, for the live stream on YouTube. If not, I plan on having these released first thing in the morning, Monday mornings. All right. So with that being said, grace and peace. Remember, in a world full of errors, the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings.